had to talk right over the intro. Didn't you? <laughs> you couldn't help yourself for just one moment. Nope. Hello, 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 everybody. I'm Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot. And today we are finishing our installment on The Grudge, as we're going to take a look at a movie and a show. Just one season of it, though, because all we got, sadly. We'd love a lot sadly. more, Ashley. We'd love a lot more. a mini-series. So. Yeah, it's supposed to be a limited thing, but they clearly left an option for a second season Netflix didn't give it. But today we are taking a look at The Grudge 2020, the American production, and the Japanese TV series Juon Origins, as it was known here in America. I This is the episode I have been... Well, I wouldn't say I, I was dreading. Meredith, I had something for this episode that I don't normally have. And that's an amazing amount of hope. I believed that I had misjudged the grudge 2020. Mm. That I was mistaken. That I had been too harsh. And so I believed that this was going to be the beginning of that film's rediscovery right here on this very podcast. And you know what I discovered? You're full of shit. It's absolute trash. Yeah. It is just as bad as people say. And the reason that I could not remember anything bad is because I couldn't remember a thing from the movie. It simply just left my mind. That's because it's unremarkable. In truly every way, this movie is unremarkable. There is, uh, we don't have any memory for seeing it. I I do want to preface a couple things about this movie, though. And one of those is that this movie was released in 2020 during the pandemic. So it gets a little lost, right? Yeah. Like, I can understand why people might have completely forgotten about this one or may not even know that it exists. Because, like I said, it is, you know, released in the pandemic. And it it was about a $14 million film uh, on name alone, grossed about $50 million worldwide. And universally reviled among fans and Mm -hmm. critics. So uh, this movie, like I said, didn't make much of a cultural impact. But in uh, 2020, they needed to reboot this sucker. So Hollywood gave us another grudge movie. Yeah, unfortunately. Spencer. I'm here about selling the house. Is anyone home? for the jump scare too yeah <laughs> uh this movie's just a just a collection of jump scares so there it is there we jump go scare. Woo! You, you, you're terrified do you feel it in your bones the this fear is this is peter spencer um, with a detective name like muldoon yeah muldoon i uh straight out of the lord of the rings yeah well there's me think of the hunter in jurassic park i think listen it's not important so yeah, I derided the grudge 2004 of the American film for being a bit pointless last week, you know, because, you know, it is a straight remake, and I think you're, you're better off watching the original movie. I think you're almost hurt by the, the Western actors in it. But that was still an, an expression of art done by the original artist of, mm-hmm. of that. So there, there, there was improvement of scares, effects went up. So, I mean, it's not worthless. I just felt like it wasn't necessarily the best venture. Like, you just simply could have watched the OG movie and you could have made a real sequel. But it, it's whatever. This is, and I know we're not talking about the plot just yet. I'm just going to just say my main gripe about the movie is, and we talk about being unremarkable. It's just like there's no point to this movie being in any existence at all 
than to just keep a right holder with the property. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only thing this movie ever accomplishes. Yeah. It's just making sure whoever holds on to the American theatrical rights to the grudge has some piece of crap to throw in theaters. And this is such a waste of a, of, of a talented cast. The, uh, because I'll, I'll get my compliment out early on. The acting in this movie is not the problem at all. And I, I really mean that from Lynn Shay to our girl, Andrea Riseborough, John Cho, the underrated John Cho, who has fantastic chemistry with Betty Gilpin in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the acting is, is just, just amazing. Jackie Weaver's great in this in a lot of deleted scenes, which we'll get into in a little bit. And well, I, I guess I'll say it right now that there is almost 25 minutes of deleted scenes that you can go and watch on YouTube. And to me, these scenes are incredibly unique because they're almost all character moments mm-hmm. and extended flashbacks. It was like this movie like had had like a, a, a like a bet. It had to hit 90 minutes. And so you have all of these nice little character moments and better build up to scares left on the cutting room floor. It's one of the most baffling editing decisions I think I've ever seen in a movie. Because I can understand, like, like Prometheus is another one where I think they, they make the plot murkier to get, keep the film moving. And I don't think that works for that movie's benefit at all. You need to find a middle ground. This is just a hatchet job. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it's just like, okay, the movie's not great. Make it as short as you can. Like, what, do, what do you mean make it as short as you can? And some editor did that and just cut out everything. He's like, well, you don't really need this to understand anything. But it completely robs the movie of any personality. And I don't believe that would have made this movie a 10 out of 10. But... Maybe I'd like to have seen that one instead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing I will say to the director's credit is this cut was taken away from him and changed into something incredibly bare bones. And I mean, I really can't think of a movie that has this much life and personality cut out of it yeah. and left somewhere else. It's pretty egregious. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think it's Nicholas uh, Pesky, I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's, that, that's a real shame. It, it, it absolutely is. So, you know. I, I guess that's really all I can say, but we have a real failure of a movie and a real chore to sit through, an absolute chore to sit through. Yeah, it's it's just not a great movie. I, I just wanted to mention those things to its uh, to its comp. If you've seen this movie and think it's horrible, check out those deleted scenes. You you might kind of open your eyes a little bit and feel a little bit of sympathy for this director. It would have been nice to see a, a real director's cut. Well, we'll find out later, but I was managed to find a 10-star review. Okay, well, hey, somebody does love it. So <laughs> let's go ahead and let's start tearing down what this movie calls a plot. All right. We start in 2004 Tokyo. A lady is talking to Yoko, who is the person that takes care of the old woman and gets goes missing. I like how you wrote down a lady, but you remembered Yoko's name. Yeah. But yes, Yoko, that is our direct connection to the first movie. So we are tied into the other two, kind of three movies. They don't... They don't necessarily make the third film non-canon in this film, so I do want to mention mm-hmm. that right now for you super grudge fans. Yes, I did watch the third movie, and it's better than this one, but that's not high praise. But yes, this does connect all those movies together. Yeah. She's on the phone. The call drops. And then she's spooked by evil garbage. Yes. Um, so as a true metaphor for the film, our opening scare involves garbage to let us know what's going to go on. Yeah. We have a fake Kayako behind her. And it's the only time we see Kayako, right? Yep. That's it. She stands behind her and her hair and her arm comes out of a garbage bag and grabs her leg, which is very similar to a scare in the first direct-to-video film. <laughs> so yeah, it does, it does steal another, another gag. And listen, I was okay with Takashi stealing from himself. That was fine. Like, James Cameron can do all the space marines he wants. That's his idea. It's fine. Yeah. You know, like, that's one of those things, like, I'm okay with that. If Michael Bay swirls the camera around, sure, it's great. When Peter Berg does it, I'm like, you're a fucking hack. 
Yeah. Stop copying Michael Bay. You know, that that's what I'm saying. This one I I wasn't quite as cool with it. It's it's not a particularly great scare. And I think what well, the character's name's Allison, right? Sure. Sure, sure. She, well, she's she's on new kayak coat. It's no reason I mm-hmm. mentioned it. So. The, the, the Lester family? Yeah, the Lester family. So yeah. it, it, it is important to the plot somewhat. But yes, that she is scared and she is now running away. And it, she also sets in motion the plot of the original Grinch film. Now we jump to 2006. A mother confronts her son who misses her dad. And that's Andrea Riseborough. Yeah, Andrea Riseborough plays Detective Muldoon here. Yeah. And there is, she has her son, whose name I didn't write down. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of, kind of we just taking notes like yeah fuck it but she has a son and, and they recently she lost uh her husband his father like three months ago cancer mm-hmm. what it was yeah he, he died of cancer a few months back so they're still reeling from that now i want you to know this is just like some sympathy window dressing on these characters yeah because we don't really find out anything else, else really you know, the, the movie gives us a little bit of moments, a few moments between them, but it's not really interested in slowing down for them. And I knew I was in for it when I saw different hair links already in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. The kid's hair is... No, is, it's the... Andre... Yeah, well, the kid's hair does it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, the kid's hair does it, too. I was thinking that, like, in the final sequence. I was like, his hair is, like, three inches longer here. So, yeah. Well, you could tell they went back and, and reshot a lot of stuff, but yeah. Riceboro has a wig at some point. She has long wigs. Yeah, she at one point, I think at one point, it's probably just her hair. It's past her shoulders, and then all of a sudden, it's not past her shoulders. It's it, it's not going to get the gritty reboot awful hair award, or multiple hairstyles award. That would be Kate Mara Yeah, for Fantastic Four, where she has like three different hairstyles and the worst fucking blonde wig I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, she just like, like it just it fell just on changes. her head. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were like, don't change it, it's fine, just leave it on. But yes, uh, we, we were induced to them, and she is our main character, oddly enough. She's investigating, along with others, a burned-up, well, what I initially thought was a burned-up body in a car, but it's just a bur- It's just a body that's been in a car yeah, for decayed. a long time. Yeah, I, I think they've been looking for her for six months or something Yeah. Like yeah, so she just, uh, somebody has driven off the road and died, and they, they rotted away. She just looks really old. Yeah, but what kicks our story into high gear, she has a connection to 44... Well, the address has 44 in it. I, 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 44 Rayburn. Rayburn Drive, yeah. yes. 44 Rayburn Drive, and this is our new grudge house. Mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes, so far this movie is very Americanized. Yeah, very much so. So we do carry like the fragmented storytelling segment. Mm-hmm. The one thing you didn't need to transfer over. Like yeah. you could have left that in Japan. That was fine. That was his thing. You didn't need to carry that part over. Because that doesn't help this movie at all uh-uh. to have like multiple storylines told in a confusing manner. Yeah, no, it sucks. Yeah, like it barely worked for the original Grudge movies. It really did. You know, not a lot of directors can really pull this off. And it, it did, it did, it just didn't need an extra thing to kind of help, you know, keep spinning while this movie goes on. Yeah, I was unclear on a lot of details early on. Yeah. Detective Muldoon goes to a creepy house and knocks on the door, and this is the house that's the the one that's going to be the focal point in the movie. She gets no answer, and like in every horror movie, she goes inside. She just walks in. She just ignores any kind of police protocol mm-hmm. and just walks into the goddamn house. Yeah. Because there's no indication something's wrong. Someone visited a house months ago, and they died. There's nothing there. So, But she just goes in anyway. And of course, luckily for her, some spooky shit is going on in there. We are introduced to legendary actress Lynn Shea, and she's playing Faith Matheson here. And she's over there. She's chopping some veggies. What looks like she's chopping she's veggies. Chopping she's crying. Veggies. Like, ah, I'm a crazy Lynn Shea. Ah. So, you know, she's our Detective Muldoon's trying to 
piece together what's going on. And as she walks around, I believe she notices the rotting corpse yeah, of, her, of husband. her husband. Of her husband, Lorna. That's played by Jackie Weaver, I believe. Jackie Weaver. I'm sorry, not Jackie Weaver. I'm sorry, that's played by, um, yeah. I had it written down wrong. Played by uh, Frankie Faison. So he comes in there. And so he has like been rotting away like for a bit. Mm-hmm. And this whole scene is just really strange to me because like, Lynn Shea is like covered in blood when she turns around. Yeah, and her mouth is covered in blood, so it's implied that she bit off her own fingers. Yeah. But it's actually not that case. She yeah. She just cut them she's off. Just licking the blood, I guess. It's not real clear. It's not important. Yeah. It's not that important. But it, it, it does happen. I just, I do want to mention that that is, is something that occurs in the runtime. But, and, and this whole scene, like, Muldoon isn't like particularly like disturbed or in any way concerned. Yeah. It's not until she notices the dead body, right? Yeah. I wish she would. It's just weird she didn't smell a big ass rotting corpse. You would have. Smelled yeah, that. it's so weird to me she didn't smell that thing at all. Like the the way the whole scene plays out, it's just strange. It it, it doesn't feel like real people. So at how all. long has Lin Shay been standing there? Yeah. If he's been rotting away, like how long has she just been standing in she, the kitchen? She's been fake chopping vegetables, just waiting for a detective to show up. It's for six months. The time does not make any. <laughs> no, sense. It, it it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't at all because she doesn't, she doesn't know how to take care of herself. She's just been standing there for yeah. months. So, we, 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 yeah, we don't know if new Kayako has been taking care of her, slowly nursing her to health. We, we have no idea what's been going on in this situation. Muldoon sees a ghost of a girl in the road, and then she, she ends up going to her fellow detective's house. And that's where we meet the other detective. And I can't, I didn't write his name down. Um, Wilson? No, I'm sorry. Wilson is uh, Sadler. Detective Goodman. Goodman, yeah. Yeah, Detective Goodman. She, he tells her about the family that died from the picture she found. The mother killed herself, her daughter, and then her husband. It's the Landers family. We yeah. have um, Fiona, Melinda, and Sam Landers. Yeah, I remember the child's name, Melinda. Yeah, the kid's Melinda. She's the new uh, Toshio. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, I mean, there's no other way to put yeah. it. They're, they're literally just stand-ins, you know. Uh, Sam is Takio, technically, and Kaiko is Fiona. So that's it, even though Fiona doesn't do anything. Fiona is the sister of the guy who buys the house with the old woman in the Grudge movie. So that's their tie-in. And that's the only tie-in. Yeah, pretty much. We find out, this is what the scene where we find out that Detective Muldoon's uh, husband died of cancer, and that was three months ago. And then we go back to 2004 where Betty Gilpin and John Cho, they are getting an ultrasound. Yeah, so the movie starts to get a little bit of an emotional core. Don't worry, we won't stay here very long. No. So Betty Gilpin and John Cho are a couple who, by the way, have fantastic chemistry. Yeah. They really, they play off each other so well. They find out that they're, she's pregnant and that she is going to have a baby with, I forget the, the, the genital defect. for ALD. ALD. So it, it's incre- the risk is incredibly high the child will have it. It's really devastating news for them. And the way they play it is two people who got bad news that absolutely love each other. Mm-hmm. And I really love this, their interactions and everything almost about their story. But the movie just doesn't want to hold on this story for very long. Yeah, it's the only interesting part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think I watched another reviewer who mentioned that this should have been the main storyline of the film. And I could not agree with that idea more. Yeah. I just don't know why, why he would pick another police investigation. You know, I just, I don't really know that, but this is the way he chose to go about or tell the story. 
And it, it was a poor idea because this storyline does really work. These characters really work well together and we just don't get enough of it, sadly. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't amount to much. But he, they are the realtors, sadly, for 44 Rayburn Drive. Yeah, and on their way back from the doctors, they stop at 44 Rayburn Drive to get some signatures. And this is where he goes into the house. And we get our first scary, I guess, scary scene with the daughter, Melinda, is in the tub with her hair straight down in her face. Yeah. In a creepy way. Yeah. And she croaks. Is that her? I thought that is, that, is, is She comes out of the tub. I thought that was the mom that comes out of the tub. No, I don't think so. Is it not the mom? I thought it was the child, Melinda, because Melinda's the one that gets drowned in the tub. Maybe so. Well, I guess it. It's not clear. Yeah, I guess if, if we're not real certain, because yeah. we've seen this shot multiple times, yeah. and I've always thought it was the mother. I thought it was Melinda. Well, I, I, you know what? It's not that big a deal, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big a deal. The movie, it's, it's really, it's not hurting the lore. It's not going to get answered in the sequel who it was. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically it. Like a, a grudge ghost that is unidentified to us comes up and just makes the, no, it has to be the mom because it makes noise. Makes the croak noise. Yeah, it makes the croak noise. It makes the croak noise. Okay. Yeah, so it has to be her. Because the husband and the mom can make the croak noise, technically. I thought the daughter could, too. No, she can't because she wasn't. She was, so she didn't have her windpipe broken. She but was she drowned. had her nose blo- broken. Yeah, but that doesn't make you make a croak noise. Oh. Yeah, yeah, see? You have to have your windpipe broken in some way. Whatever, dude. I'm just, I'm just I'm giving you the rules of the movie, all right? I've had to watch this piece of shit technically more than once, all right? So I'm letting you know what I've, what I've learned in my discoveries. All right. So there we go. It, it, it was the mom. But either way, she comes up for just a little scare. It provides a little bit of attention, but he can't get any anything from it. So We go back to Betty Gilpin and John Cho, <coughs> and they're upset about their baby. And they have a nice little scene, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll, I'll, you know. He takes a shower, and there's that finger thing that comes out of his head. So once again, we're, we're, so we're repeating a scare from the first movie. It's like in every movie. Yeah, it, it, it's been in three of these movies already. So uh, this is the worst it's done. Because, you know, we, we know it's coming. It's It was the gag in all the trailers. And, you know, once again, I don't think this is really the signature scare of the series. So I don't know why. You it know. is, apparently. Yeah. Well, I can understand why he did it again in the other movie, in, in the remake, because her character was like that other one. So he might as well do that scare. And people liked it. So um, it, it's just a strange thing why it has to happen again. But it does. It doesn't help anything. It's just more groan-worthy. Just you think of a better movie. That's all. There's a shot of both of them asleep. And there's a green light. That wakes up the pregnant woman, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. And she sees a dead woman ghost. And then we get a shot of John Cho going back to the house where he rings the doorbell. I, did she see the ghost? I thought he did. No, she, she hasn't been in the house. She can't see shit. I thought, I thought uh, well. Yeah, how would she, he see anything? No, it was, um, he sees the, the ghost and he, because she's pulling at the sheets, I think. And he's pulling him back up. He's like, what's down there? And then the mother, Allison, I already forgot her name, stands, stands up, a new Kayako. Faith. Whatever. <laughs> we're going to find out it's like Sue. <laughs> Fiona. We're not, Fiona. We're not even close. <laughs> this movie was just terrible, guys. All right. This show's off the rails. Okay. So Fiona just kind of stands above him. He's like, oh, God. And he, he turns on the light. And she's obviously not there when the light's on. And it's great because he's terrified. And his pregnant wife is like, turn off the light. I can't sleep. 
<laughs> it's my favorite moment of all the scares in the movie because he's terrified, but she has no knowledge that this event just occurred. I didn't write any of it down, so that stuff just <laughs> went past me. It, that's that is the only thing that made me like kind of chuckle and smile as it occurred. I was just she's just like turn the light off, I'm trying to sleep without understanding her husband is just literally <laughs> like terrified beyond belief. Continue. Nothing will happen that I like for another thirty minutes. So John Cho goes back to the house. He rings the doorbell. A little girl comes to the door and her nose starts to bleed and it's Melinda. Yeah. And, and since John Cho's a good dude, he goes in there and, and tries to take care of her. This is obviously very similar to the storyline in the first in the direct video film with the teacher that is very similar to the American remake storyline with Bill Pullman, where he goes in the house to help the kid. Now we're back with the detective. Yeah, we just abandoned the story. She gets forced into the water and almost drowns. She's an Olympic swimmer, and the pool cover is closed over her for the night, and she will not be able to get out. Is that not what occurred? No. That's a completely different... That's a real movie, by the way. That's a real movie. I saw that the other day, a movie about just two girls trapped in a swimming pool over a weekend. Wow. <laughs> it's probably riveting. I talked shit about that one movie with the guy stuck on the ski lift, but I actually kind of like that one. Frozen? Mm-hmm. Let it go, baby. Anyway, um, no, so she's just like in her house, just generally creeped out, and she's looking in the mirror... And one of the ghosts forced her head in the sink of all things. Yeah. When she pushed her head down, I was like, man, good thing she didn't catch her face on the faucet, right? Yeah. That was the first thing I thought. Like, a sink's not very deep, right? What if she just ate, like, a face full of... Uh, porcelain. A porcelain, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. I did, man, good job. I did not... <laughs> I completely forgot what sinks were made of in that moment in time. And you <laughs> saved me. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that's, that's it. You know, she comes in and, and she comes out of the water. She's like, oh, oh. Oh, well. well. There's nobody there. Yeah. Like, no big deal. She, she's like a Metal Gear Solid, a bad guy. You know, his, his friend just got killed next to him and goes, oh, no, where is it? Oh, the timer went off. Like, oh, that's probably another. Do, 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 do. She has the same reaction. I mean, Riceboro is a fantastic actress. Uh, obviously, there was something in the character and the direction that got missing somewhere because these just reactions are baffling, right? Mm-hmm. Makes it feel like it makes it feel like it's almost sort of a parody at times. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching a weird David Lynch film. Yeah. <laughs> like, just people just don't react to scares properly. Unless it's a jump scare. It's, just, it's very strange. It's very strange. Bad directing. Yeah, I think that's basically it. And we jump around again. We're back in 2005. We're back in 2005. We're at a Nickelback concert. We are... Oh, no. No. We're with the a woman who specializes in aiding in suicide. Home yeah, so this is Jackie Weaver. Sorry, Jackie yeah, Weaver. Jackie Weaver. This is what I get when I, I don't take proper notes. I, I, was, I watched it. I was like, I'm not taking notes on this bitch. So she comes in here. And by the way, my favorite scene in this movie is here, except it's on the cutting room floor. So Jackie Weaver initially comes in and she talks to uh, Lynn Shea and her husband. And there's a really fantastic scene here on the deleted scenes where he talks about wanting to end his wife's life because her dimension is setting in and they have a couple flashbacks. And one is a sweet scene between the two of them where she's talking like, there are things I never, ever want to forget. And I don't want to go down that way. I want to remember all these things that I love before I die. It's a nice sequence between the two of them. And then we have a little bit more that was cut where you see the first attempt he made to try to help her commit suicide. And it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's just an absolute disaster. And that's why they need someone like this to come in it immediately made me identify and sympathize with these characters. And I felt something for them I didn't feel in the theatrical cut, which I felt horrible for what occurs. That's the whole point of these movies. I should, I should feel bad you're cursed. I yeah. should just be indifferent to the situation. And that is a rough, rough cut to lose, you know, because it adds so much to this movie and those two characters in a really brief amount of time. 
It's one of the film's best written and best directed scenes, and nobody's ever going to see it. Yeah. And I just want to mention it here because this scene is just pointless and gets the story across at the base amount, which is that his wife has dementia. She needs to die. And they go upstairs and she discovers that the wife is playing peekaboo by herself, like in the original Juan film. Yeah. And that, that, that we repeat another scare and there's not a whole lot to it, really. We don't even get we don't even see a reflection of the girl. Right. No. There's no scare for us. It's just a reference that just a reference. Yeah. So just saying. But we do see her. We do see her in one scene. Oh, do we? Yeah. Do we? Because usually the scare is always done in the reflection, like in the background. It's not a, like a, a full scare, right? Yeah. The, that's how it's done in Juwan and how it's done in The Grudge 2. Because they do the same scare in The Grudge 2 with Amber Tamblyn. The guy and Jackie Weaver talking and she's in the background. Okay. Well, she decides that she doesn't want to do the process because her wife is crazy. And she's talking to somebody who isn't there. Yeah, it does make her look completely insane. So I, I can understand her hesitation. But she feels a little bad about the situation. So she decides she wants to stay for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's basically all it is. She's just like, I need to stay here because, well, we got to get to a third act, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's like, well, I can't leave just yet because we can't come up with a story reason for me to not for, for me to stay. So I'm just going to decide to hang out. There's not a whole lot of in the fridge. So she offers to go to the store and get some stuff for dinner. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. So she goes to the store. He's like, cool, Holmes. Go to the store, get it done. And she goes to the meat counter, and it looks like there's like flies all over the meat. The the curse is already setting in. Yeah. And then she followed her to the Piggly Wiggly. She thinks that she sees a little girl hold her hand. Yeah. And she, like, she's in the background behind her and stuff like that. You can see these, the new grudge ghosts. And, And by the way, like, the grudge ghosts. I mean, I have to mention, they just look like people. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, other than hair over their face, there's nothing to differentiate them from anyone else mm-hmm. walking around. So it, it doesn't necessarily provide the best imagery. We get a shot of Melinda, the ghost girl, in the car with her. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets back home, or when she gets back to the house, she sees a man standing outside in the rain. And it's our other detective in the movie. And this is played by uh, William Sanderson of Die Hard 2 fame. Mm-hmm. William Sadler, pardon me, of Die Hard 2 fame. Not Sanderson, that's somebody else. William Sadler, uh, he also played Death in the amazing Bill and Ted's Focus Journey. <laughs> I didn't want to mention that. He's a, he's a fun character actor. Uh, he plays a Detective Wilson here. He is the motherfucker who was going to explain the plot to us. Yeah. That is his sole purpose in this film, is to let everyone know that there were other movies, they're connected, and I know how. That's mm-hmm. his whole purpose as a character. But continue on. He's standing outside the house like, like a fucking weirdo. Yeah. The owner of the house calls a cop and says he'll be in. The cop is like, is he out there? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I'll be right over. And that detective is Detective Wilson, I believe. Is he what you Yeah, Detective Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. The, the scene that follows isn't that bad. Where Jackie Weaver is just like, oh, that's so weird. A case. I hope it wasn't a murder case. And <laughs> the husband completely no sells her question. Yeah. And she's like, oh, God, it was. <laughs> the most genuine moment left in the original cut. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those like, oh, oh. Like, just well played. Once again, the acting is really good in this. It mm-hmm. really is. It's really good. They, these guys deserved a lot better than what they got. The detective comes over and picks him up. And while they're riding in the car, he shoots himself in the head. Yeah, now, <laughs> shoots on the head and he misses. Yeah. He blows out, like, the side of his cheek, which should have killed his partner, because that's the side he was on. But that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. But the, the house has driven him insane and does not kill him for reasons. Mm-hmm. 
You know, mm-hmm. I have no idea why those spirits have left him alive. And the movie doesn't really care to give us an explanation about why. Yeah. And I just want to mention like, like the grudge just waits just so we can have Andre Riseborough's character, Detective Muldoon, go and beat him in the future storyline. There is no other reason that the grudge left him alone. It's, I mean, it's some of the laziest writing I could really think of. And I mean, these aren't, necess- I, I watched the third film, guys. These aren't great. You know, I, I watched the Japanese sequels. They suck. They have nothing to do with Kayako and, and, and Toshio or any of that stuff. They're terrible. And this is by far the worst of this franchise. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's a bad movie. Yeah, I, I really, with the money behind it too and the talent, what a, well, what a waste. I'm sorry, continue on. Well, I'm, I can't just shit on this whole thing. Let's, <laughs> let's continue on. We're back with Detective Muldoon and her dog, Frank. That's one of the characteristics of her character that we get. She, she has a dog, Frank. She likes to give her pets human names. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with a cat named Bob, a dog named Frank. I like that. Frank's the best character in this movie. Our cat's named Tebow. He's named after a person, though. Like, he's like, yeah. A little different. People are going to think we're like really big Tim Tebow fans. Yeah, or it's really, it was just a joke. Anyways. A <laughs> joke that's now 12 years past expiration. I know. <laughs> Tebow, poor Tebow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she goes to see Detective Wilson at the psych ward. Yeah, so this is where all that pays off. She goes over there and she meets him. And um, it's a typical meeting the crazy guy kind of haunting scene. He's severely disfigured. Uh, uh, yeah. Crazy. I, I want to compare this to a better movie, which is probably not something I should do. But Smile has a scene that's very similar to this, right? Ooh, but better. Yeah. Where there's, there's a moment in that movie where he's talking to her and he looks at her like, you're cursed too. You brought it here. Like when it just dawns on him, like the pure fear that he's like, I came here to get away from it. And you brought it back. And this scene is just like, okay, here's the story. And we go into a flashback of him narrating tapes. We we see a flashback of him narrating things that happened in the past. Yeah. It is the worst. It should have been him narrating over the events of the past. (laughs) So instead, we see him in a closet narrating into a tape recorder. Talking about what a Juwan is and name dropping other characters in the series to make sure you know this movie ties in mm-hmm. and it's technically a requel, not a true reboot, but fuck off. I don't know why, but it, it does this whole bit and it doesn't lead to anything. The audience who's going to come in, which are grudge fans, already know all of this. So this is pointless to us. We're just rehashing old bullshit and it leads to him just gouging his eyes out, right? Yes, he gouges out his own eyes because... I can't stand to see them anymore. I can still tell they're haunting me. Oh, of course they are, you fucking idiot. You just explained to us how the curse works. You know that wouldn't work. You know that. You just told us why it wouldn't work. It's just super dumb exposition. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, it's just another thing to really hate. Like I said, the deleted scenes would have helped, but it wouldn't have made this a 10 out of 10. It just might have made it a 5. We we jump to Detective Wilson making the, the tapes. Uh, yeah, like we just we jump again to Detective Muldoon. She's searching in the dark for what? Who knows? So yeah, after this we start getting more Muldoon hauntings, right? Mm-hmm. And none of these are particularly well done or well shot. It's a good opportunity for a cheap scare. Yeah, that's all. We just get a bunch of jump scares. Like I said, the imagery with these ghosts just isn't particularly scary at all or memorable. 
So it's really tough to get a scare. Like when her husband's coming, when Sam Landers, pardon me, is coming at her in like the backyard, mm-hmm. like we get the grudge noise and we get, you know, we get the death rattle and we get the spike in the music, but there's no terror or fear at all. It's just a guy walking towards her. Yeah. You know, the, the, all that haunting elements completely gone by the cinematography and, and the, oh, you know what? Let's, let's talk about, before we move on, let's talk about color grading. Okay. What do you know about it? This movie has some of the most egregious color grading I've ever seen. Like everything is pushed as teal and orange as far as it really can. Like this is just such an example of like poor color grading. And and what color grading is, is when you shoot a movie now, it almost comes to you almost black and white. Mm-hmm. It's desaturated, completely devoid of color. And then you increase the saturation. I'm simplifying this guys. And you punch different colors and you increase hues and shades to give yourself a look. That you're you're going for a lot, if you will. That's what it's known. And this movie has like like dark, punchy, cheap LUT look. Like you can buy all these sorts of LUTs from YouTubers who are like, I know the way to make your movie look just like you know the the Avengers or whatever like that. And then you buy it and it it just adds a weird filter on your thing that's similar, I guess. But like that's what this looks like. It looks like they put a cheap filter on this movie to try to give it some more darkness, a little edge. And it's just so goddamn distracting. Like the movie is just pure contrast, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just like, like they just put that contrast slider all the way to a hundred to like give this movie some kind of style, which it does not have in the directing. Things are hard to see and it's ugly. It's an ugly film. I would prefer the bland cinematography of the 2004 film. I would take the direct to video cinematography of the original Juon film as opposed to what this movie tries to pass off as acceptable Hollywood cinematography. Yeah. It's abysmal, and the color grading only makes it just just worse. And because that kind of look is so dated, it makes the movie look even worse. It really does. Like, at one point, it might have been kind of stylish, but it's like if you have wood paneling on your car or something like that. It's just a relic from a bygone era when we first started doing color grading. It's awful. And I just wanted to mention it here because it really deserves to get brought up. Another terrible thing in this film. Aren't you glad we didn't buy that wood paneled house? Uh, you know what? We, we should have bought <laughs> all the wood paneling on the houses, left it up, restored it. <laughs> we could be the one to bring it back. Yeah, we could. Yeah. I'll, I'll start putting wood paneling on my truck. Wow. Yeah. We go through all that. Uh, she looks crazy because she's seeing things and blah, 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 because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official synopsis, by the way. <laughs> We're back with John Cho and Betty Gilpin. He's still at the house with the girl, and Betty's at home. He's been chilling this whole time there. I know we're doing time jumps and stuff like that. We're not even doing interesting time jumps like the rest of the series. Yeah. We're just jumping time for no reason. But yeah, he's just chilling out there with the little girl. He gets a call from her, and they have a sweet moment, right? Yeah. He's like, I'll love that baby no matter what, and I love you too. Yeah. And they cry together on the phone. It's beautiful. It really mm-hmm. is. They have good chemistry. That works. Mm-hmm. And then the grudge scare occurs. The doorbell rings and he lets her go. He goes downstairs and looks through the peephole and it's the ghost woman. Yeah, she has her hair covering her face. He opens the door and nobody's there. There's nothing there. So it, it it's very similar to a scare in, in the first in the last two remakes, that's all. He goes back inside and Melinda is missing. And he hears footsteps upstairs. He goes into a bathroom and there's some nasty water in the tub because he's like recoiled because of the smell. And this is another scare from the original remake. And the ghost child shows up and grabs his head. He runs out 
And then when he Don't goes care. down the stair, there's Ghost Mama. So I want to mention here again that this is awful. Mm-hmm. This is a retread of the original film, and it's there's no tension in the way the scare is done at all. It's like they are in a rush to get, to get out of that house, right? Like there, there's no buildup to anything. Like there's the tiniest bit of buildup to seeing like her in the peephole. But once that moment is gone, we're just sort of rushing from what should be a scary moment to another scary moment. And in the deleted scenes, there is a much slower paced, tenser sequence where he walks around the house and discovers everything that he would need to know about the curse. Cause he, John show hears a noise up in the attic and he slowly goes up there to check it out. And he, and he finds the, the Landers family upstairs decomposing and everything like that. And he goes to grab the child, uh, Melinda, right? Mm-hmm. And when he gets there, she has all these creepy drawings and stuff like that. And he sees out what the, the events of the movie is what she's drawing basically. And once again, this sequence isn't amazing, but it is just a much better version of what we got in the final film. And it's really baffling again, that they chose to go with the shorter inferior sequence. It does end with the same jump scare, but it had the mother Fiona chasing him. Mm-hmm. So when he's terrified that she's in front of him, it makes a lot more sense in that version. Yeah, we miss that completely. Yeah, because in the new version, he's running forward. You know, he's not looking backwards at all. He's just running straight forward. And he, someone in front of him just appears and he's scared. Yeah. When the other one, he's like, she's coming right behind, coming right behind me. And he turns at the last second to see her. And that's how a scare works. Yeah. That's how movie jump scares work. You can't have somebody look in that direction like we are. And then something's just there. Yeah. You know, you have to, you want to misdirect a little. And they took all that away. And once again, it doesn't make it a 10 out of 10, but maybe makes the movie watchable. Mm-hmm. But we, we never know. Explain some things. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll never know. We get an inferior version and it is what it is. All that stuff happens. That's, you know, whatever. And <laughs> John Cho is back at the house and he has scissors in his hands. Yeah. He has a quick confrontation with his wife where she realized something is off about him. He is clearly possessed as we've seen in the other movies and we don't get really anything out of the sequence other than he rushes at her mm-hmm. and immediately as he does like a ghost rush towards her, uh, we cut to her face dead, face down, yeah. dead blood all over the kitchen floor. And he's drowned in the tub. Yeah, his, his face in the tub. So they fall victim to the curse and doesn't get a great payoff. I think to, to not have a scene of her begging for her life, trying to get her husband out of there. It's such a missed opportunity, you know, to try to not have her in that moment of horror, trying to protect her unborn child against the man that she loves turned against her Mm -hmm. to know that they didn't even think about shooting a scene like that is embarrassing. I mean, that's why you make a movie like this to scare people and a man trying to kill his wife who's nine months pregnant is terrifying. Those are the things people have nightmares about. And the movie sidesteps it like the fucking plague. Yeah. So. We don't get much out of it besides a, a cold jump cut where she's dead. That's, that's a nice cut. I'll give it that. But I'd have preferred a scare with emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. But I don't get that. I get this. This was rated instead. PG-13, right? Uh, it may have been. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Because it's, it doesn't even ex- try to explore any kind of violence like yeah, that. I mean, you can do darkness in PG-13. I mean, you, you can do that in dialogue without profanity. There's, there's always ways to get around something. This movie just took the cheapest, laziest way. To get to this point. Like, this movie just focused on the wrong things. It loved this detective storyline for some reason. <laughs> My next note. We jump to crazy lady, death woman, and sad dude. 
<laughs> oh man, I've just got to give you like a list of character names before we start these movies. <laughs> Actually, I prefer these now that we're into this movie. It only matters when we're doing Tom Clancy movies where you're like, some guy passes away. You mean the Russian president? <laughs> <laughs> That's important to plot details. Uh, we are, we're back with uh, Lynn Shay and her husband and the, the lady that comes by to do the suicide. Jackie Weaver's Jackie character. Weaver's That's character. Not important. That's not important. Uh, she gets up and wanders around the house. She finds Lynn Shay and she has a ghost figure over her dripping. So this is the scare that is in all the movies with the Unroyo yeah. slowly descending over a, a victim suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. It's in the first Juan theatrical, the remake and this one. And this is the least inspiring way it could it's have been shot. Sheep as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just she pops up on screen with a jump scare and drips a little fluid on Lynn yeah. Shay. It, it it is masterfully done in the other two movies, and this is like the most direct to video cheap way it could be done. At that moment, I looked at you and said, "That's the problem with this movie. Has no scary imagery at all. Mm-hmm. Not a single terrifying image is in this movie. It's just the lamest way it could have possibly have been done." We get a kind of cool shot with uh, the husband, and he explains to her, because she's real shaken. Yeah, clearly, as you would be. And he's like, basically, I deal with the ghost because I hope that one day my wife is a ghost and she haunts me. Yeah, he's like, the walls between our world and the next are softer here. That gives me comfort, mm-hmm. you know? And I, he said that, and I was like, I completely get understand yep. why you would stay here. Yeah, It might be scary, but it, you just don't understand. I'm scared of that thing, but when it's my wife, I'll know it's okay. Yeah. I'll know it's okay to go over. And I'm, it makes me feel, that makes me feel bad for him. Yeah. It's not where he was. He was in a curse. That's where the grudge did hard. It really should. Mm-hmm. You know, those sorts of good people, you know, that's when the, well, we'll talk about it when we get to the other show. Yeah. Because that's what that's about. Good people who get struggled. Not even good, just people. Mm-hmm. Just people living their lives. Sure, you cheat on your wife or do stupid shit. You don't deserve a fucking curse to terrify you to you fucking die. Yeah. All right, let's continue on. Sorry. She wakes up the next morning and she sees the crazy woman. She's up chopping something. Lynchay. Yeah, Lynchay. <laughs> she has killed her husband with a fork. Yeah, she. We see his boots on the ground, and, and Jackie Weaver kind of turns a, turns a little bit and sees he's got a fork in the neck, and she has begun her NPC programming to chop her fingers. Yeah, she will be doing this action for eight hours, for a eight day, months, for months until the detective shows up to stop her. But at some point, she will lift her gigantic husband and put him in the chair for theatrical. Effect. I know. <laughs> yeah, she's because she's a sickly woman. Yeah, and L- she, Lynn Shay is. And even if Lynn Shay was twenty, she's only five foot two. She puts him in the chair. It doesn't make any sense. What's his face? Frankie Faison. He's six foot four. He's a big guy. He's the orderly from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, probably his most famous role, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been he's a character he's been actor in a bunch of stuff. A lot of stuff. If you for our audience, if you look for a horror movie, that's probably the most famous one he's been. Yeah. So he's dead. She runs out of there. Jackie runs out of there terrified while Lynn Shea is laughing. And she gets in her car and... She's killed in an accident. No, no, no. She isn't killed. She dies in an accident. Because the grudge doesn't kill her. It just distracts her while she's driving. Mm -hmm. And she runs off the road. That grudge didn't kill a thing. She doesn't deserve to be haunted by the grudge or stuck there in death because she died from a traffic collision. Yeah, she's the the body that the detectives find in the beginning. Yeah, she was, the she's the one from the intro. And then I wrote Myth Matheson, it's crazy lady, is just running around unrestrained after killing her husband. She climbs the stairs and goes over the railing, killing herself. So here's my issue with this scene. That, listen, 
Okay. She's just wandering around <laughs> yeah. this mental she, facility. Exactly. She, she just, just killed, killed her, her husband. husband. She just killed her husband. Yeah. So she's she dangerous. tried to assault the detective. Yeah. She is absolutely. She chopped off her own fingers. Not only is she a threat to you, she's a threat to herself. Mm-hmm. She should be on medication and restrained. Mm-hmm. And she's rolling around the hospital when everyone's like, hey, how you doing? Good hey, to see hey, you. Hey, Mrs. Matheson. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And we know no time has passed, right? No, because her hand's still Yeah, bound. her hand is still bandaged. Yeah, it's not healed or just like cut. Her hand is healing. So they just only just fixed it. And so she rolls around the hospital, sees the ghost of the girl, and just kills herself, dives over the edge. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's so lazy. It is the laziest thing in a lazy film. Then there's a flashback of all flashbacks of stuff we've already seen. It's just more flashbacks. Uh, are you talking about where we see the what's it called? What how the grudge thing was made? Yes. By the way, on the we have deleted scenes. This was a whole storyline. Mm-hmm. They had a whole story about you know real scene shot about the curse developing with the original family, the Lester family, and they just chopped that down to like what thirty seconds of flashback yeah. and quick cuts, and it's not great and it's stupid. We find out the husband. Fell while uh, hit every step on the way. Yeah, down. fighting his wife, and he he broke his neck, and he makes the the croak. The wife cuts her own throat, which is a reshoot apparently, so she can make the croak noise. Because that is not in the deleted scene. She mm-hmm. dies another way, I do believe. Mm-hmm. But in theatrical, she cuts her throat just so they can loop the the croaking noise underneath her. I, that's my theory on that. I think they made that decision in editing so they could do that shit because the the shot doesn't look like it matches. You're probably right. But like it, it that she I can't remember how it goes, but she dies another way in deleted scenes. Another point to the hack job that this movie got. We're back with Detective Muldoon, where she hears something and walks around with a gun. This in the police station? Yeah. What are we doing here? So, yeah, this is just a scare where she thinks she feels Sam Lenders coming after her. She's going to shoot a ghost? And Yeah, exactly. And she's, listen, if she believes what's going on, she knows her bullets aren't going to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to the videotape and she can see Sam Lenders is there and he's chasing her. And so she's walking around with her gun and she pulls her gun on another active detective who's like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. As is proper. You should not have your gun out in that situation. And she knows that. And so she's like, I got him on tape. Sam Landers is here. And of course, there's nothing on the tape. Oh, God. It's not a real surprise. Tells her to go home because she's burnt out. A lot of cheap scares. Yeah. Just the cheap scares and a very cliche scene. At 4.44. Remember the first movie where, like, the grudge walked towards the camera, Kayako, and it was that black shadow and it was a great scene? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing as cool or creative as that even thought about in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm sorry. It's 4.44. 4.44. And she calls Detective Wilson, and he comes over. Yeah, and they do um, more chatting about grudge bullshit, and he takes care of the kid. Yeah. But then he doesn't take care of the kid because she takes him with so her to there, burn down. There the was house. a scene earlier where he did babysit the kid while she yeah. did, invest, did the investigation. She takes him to a cursed house and tells him to wait inside. And he is only there for one reason and one reason only. So we can have a little clever moment for the character, I guess. For the ghost. In, in one minute. Mm-hmm. Because she's going to go in there and burn down the house because that's what. William Sadler's character told her to do. We get more flashbacks. Yeah, there's more flashbacks in here. We see all the kind of stuff that happened in the house. And she doesn't care. She's throwing the gasoline and shit everywhere. And as she's doing it, she turns around. Her son is right there. Yeah. She's like, what the hell are you doing in here? I told you to stay outside. Exactly. smacks him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And a better way for it to go. But she's like, are you scared? What do we do when we're scared? So this whole movie, 
we had this, what are we doing? We're scared, bitch. Yeah. Show. And like, you can see it coming a mile away. Cause in the opening, one of the opening scenes, she goes up to him and goes, what do you say when we're scared? And they go through the whole bit. And later on, when she's terrified by the grudge ghost, her son does the same thing back to her. It's a decent little scene, but you can see where it's leading to. Mm-hmm. So here it is this moment. She goes, what do we do? We're scared. And cause it's the grudge. It doesn't know. Yeah. And she realizes it immediately and, and throws the Zippo and burns the house down. It runs out. It ends at her house. She hugs her son. Yeah. Yeah. She thinks her son, but it's not. It's. Yeah. She's hugging her son. She's like, it's all over. And in the background, her son actually walks back. I'm going to school, mom. Bye. Walks out the door and she is dragged off and killed by the grudge because you can't kill the, the the house doesn't do anything. You have to kill the ghost. Yeah. Or exercise the ghost, which no one does in these rooms. Nobody does. Well, actually somebody did in the third movie. Mm. They do exercise the ghost. They do free Kayako from her, from her prison. But sadly, the person who did it was still cursed. All right, some trivia for you. Faith Matheson at one point plays peekaboo with Melinda on an unseen ghost. An intentional homage to Saito, a man in, with dementia who played peekaboo with Toshio in Juan the Grudge 2002. Yeah, once again, it's a one in that movie and there's one in the Grudge too, so... It's the same scare. The house number in this film is 44, a reference to the original Juan short film, 4444444444, Four is also a number of bad luck in Japanese culture due to the number in Japanese specifically being a homophone for the character. She, which means death. A homophone, in case you didn't know, is each of a set of symbols denoting the same sound or a group of sounds. And they hate gay people? That's pretty impressive. Wow. Is that too far? This is the final film of Stephanie, the therapist, Shirk. Her name was Stephanie Shirk. She died on April 19th, 2019 of suicide. She was married to Damien Bircher, who played played the detective Wilson, her co-star. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Right? Scenes in the trailer that didn't make this cut... Hair emerging from the bathtub drain. Fiona as a ghost crawling under Burke's bed. Fiona sawing off Sam's head. And Fiona's ghost crawling across the wall behind Detective Muldoon. So those are the scenes that were cut. Yeah, but I only ripped the audio from the trailer. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually watch the trailer. <laughs> For the theatrical release, the posters displayed outside the theaters were decorated with black hair extensions, which I thought was kind of cool. That is neat. I like that. Yeah. This movie received an F cinema score, the worst possible yeah. score, that's, yeah, that's not great. which is very rare. Yeah, it's, it's Only tough 20 to other feature films have ever received an F score. This is the worst movie we've covered. Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst movie we've covered on here. This film includes three Oscar nominees. Can you guess them? Uh, Andre Riceboro. Mm-hmm. I know that one. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Lynn Shay. No, I knew one. Jackie Weaver. Yeah, one more. It's a dude. It's a dude. He plays a detective. It's not Sadler. No, it's not Sadler. It was the other detective, the main guy, Damien Bercher. Yeah, what the fuck he got an Oscar nomination for? I don't know. All right, what? Be a, not knowing who the fuck he is, huh? Last fact I have for you, and you might like this one because you like stuff like this. This is the first grudge movie to be filmed in Panavision for the widescreen 2.39 to 1 aspect ratio, 
unlike the previous Grudge movies, which were filmed in the taller 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio. Oh, so in scope? Yeah. It doesn't really help. It doesn't really help. So, yeah. This, Fascinating facts. This is the worst movie we've covered. This is a, this is a one for me. Yeah, the facts weren't even good. Yeah, this is a, a one for me. It's really pointless. It's dull. Uh, it's forgettable. So, uh, there's nothing to really recommend at all. It's, it's, it's truly the most worthless film that we've, we've covered. If you like it, that's great. But, uh, I mean, I don't. I simply I I don't despise this could. movie. And I, I can't recommend it to anyone at all. Yeah. In the, any way. So, that's why it's a one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just... Yeah, I, I think I agree. I thought Rings was going to end up being the worst reboot that we cover, and it might be, but man, I I really did not like this movie. I yeah. really did not. And having to, I went, having with the deleted scenes, going back and basically watching it a second time uh, was just almost torture. I mean, it really was. Like, it was. like, I had to take my phone and like put it in the freezer. So I would like just to pay attention to the things I wanted to, to see where the deleted scenes fit in, because this movie just begs for you to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. It really is that bad. So I, I don't recommend it at all. Yeah, it was hard getting my myself psyched to watch the movie. And then we watched it and it was just as bad as we thought it would be. Yeah. Okay, so are you ready to talk about... We're at an hour and ten. Well, great. We won't, we won't take very much longer. Yeah, we were at an hour and ten minutes. All right. <laughs> I couldn't believe that we're that deep into it. All right, can you give me the lead in again? Okay, so are you ready to talk about something that we both were surprised by in the new um, miniseries, Juan Origins? So, Juon Origins is exactly what we have wanted from a reboot uh, for a long time. Yeah, it's gritty as fuck. Yeah, it, it is gritty, certainly, and that's one thing that is always very helpful. But this is a, a reboot about the things that I think are really scary. Mm-hmm. And from the scariest element of this whole idea is the fact that you are cursed. It's not about the jump scares. It's the fact that the grudge is coming. Mm-hmm. No matter there's, what. There's nothing you can do. It's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Unless you're William Sadler. Or have lived in that house before, apparently. Yeah. It doesn't kill the psychic. Yeah. This series is not necessarily connected to the other movies. This is about the hauntings that sort of, in, or the real cases that sort of inspired the, the Juan yeah. to be written, basically mm-hmm. the movie to be made. So it's about a, a lot of real things that occurred. Uh, now, obviously, you know, it, it's not a, a real true story, but it, it is based off a lot of real crimes. And yes. Like that. There's a lot of elements of, of real tragedy that are weaved in this. And this is a, a truly haunting show. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagery that's going to stick with me for a while. Now, this is a show, so we're not going to go down the plot because we'll be here another six hours. Yeah. Before, for two reasons. One, the plot's pretty dense mm-hmm. for 30-minute episodes. It really is. There's a lot that you need to keep track of. And not everything's made clear, which is fine. I don't need everything explained to me. Things jump around, but you're still able to follow the track. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I just don't get that upset in a movie to where not everything has to be literal. Not everything has to have an answer. Yeah. It's not that big a deal at the end of the day. You know, the the, the more you answer for me, like the, the, the more chance my eyes could glaze over or they could roll at a bad concept. Mm-hmm. But this movie just answers just enough and gives a, this show does just enough to, to keep my interest. 
this really is the best of the series. It's the absolute best. There's a couple scenes I want to point out, but I want to talk about the, what I guess what I complained about before. And I thought about this in the John Cho, Betty Gilpin storyline when I saw that movie is that there wasn't more to that. Now I understand the movie needed to be PG 13, but that's whatever. But this movie has a very similar story with a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. And instead of that, we do get a very grisly sequence of the grudge turning both of them into, into, you know, killers, basically a fight to the death. And a man murders his wife yeah, and cuts the baby out of her stomach. Mm -hmm. And in a macabre scene, runs around with a premature baby around Tokyo to try to give him to his proper father. Yeah, because it's a, a, it's not even formed yet. Because she's clearly like eight months pregnant. Yeah, she's yeah early eight months. So it said, like yeah. you can tell like when it it cries, it doesn't cry like a normal baby. Yeah. So it's very haunting. Yeah, it's very disturbing. Very disturbing. And as he makes it to the house, he wants to. The baby dies, and he has to bury it. And an episode later, as the, he's in prison for this act of of killing the child and killing the woman, the unroyo comes for him, his wife. And the fetus, the child. And maybe one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen is the, the baby Unroyo coming for him. Yeah. And his screams and shrieks as the Unroyo slides down his throat and chokes him to death. Yeah. And, I mean, it's horrifying. It truly is. And, I mean, it's one of the things, like, I will never forget. No. And The sound that that baby made. And, and it's something that this show does quite well, honestly. Like, just scaring me. And that, that's something that's truly impressive. And it's not just like about jump scares and sudden riot not rising even any, music. There's not even any jump scares in it. There's some rising music at times, but there's not even real jump it's, scares. It's just about real life horror. Yeah. Things that you would deal with in society. And it's just it's not just that things that are in Japanese culture, it's things that are in American culture as well. Yeah, and it's like I talked about earlier, like the feel of that curse and the perversion of the normal, you know, making people who are good to people who aren't killers go and slaughter their loved ones. Mm -hmm. it's, it's truly horrifying the way you see it continue through the series, the way the grudge just twists people from an innocent girl who is raped at the house to watching her descent of her forcing the, the someone to kill her mother and all the horrible things that she does, you know, while on the influence That's of, the, of the curse. That is a shocking because she gets raped and she goes with her rapist. Yeah. And tries to have a life with him. Yeah. Like has a son and everything. Yeah. And he just ends up beating the fuck out of her all the time. Yeah. And he ends up eventually putting her son into his son as well into a vegetative into a state. Coma. Yeah. He hits him with a phone, which is important. See, we forgot to mention that earlier with the pregnant woman. When he sews her back up, he puts the, a phone, the phone inside, inside of her. her. So the phone is very significant in this series. There's, I mean, there's lots of other things in this series that I'll mention, but I, I mean, it's just. You really need to watch it. You just, you just need to. I mean, I know I mentioned the scene with the baby. That's a spoiler, but trust me, there ain't nothing I could say that prepares you for the imagery of it. Mm -mm. So, and trust me, there's, I, I think there's another better scare in it, you know, with that time jump and, and the, the, the black figure. I think that's a, a better scare, in my opinion. And, you know, the, the show's just full of it. There, there's just such rewards for a horror fan and a fan of this series. And honestly, if you like true crime as well, that's a real benefit mm -hmm. to the show. It's incredibly well acted, and uh, if you even struggle with subtitles, it has an excellent dub track on Netflix. Yeah, and it's um, it's got some real style to it. Yeah, it really does. They, you know, whatever Netflix budget or whatever Japanese production helped as well on their side, they really did a fantastic job. Great use of the uh, yeah. of money on this. the The episodes were shorter, but they 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 didn't need to be any longer. You know, it's it's about it's about quality, not quantity. It really is. 
Yeah, there were a lot of these characters. They were fleshed out. You knew who each person was. You knew their motivations, why they did things the way they did things. I mean, what more could you say? It, yeah, just complete well, it, antithesis of the grudge. It's what you. It's what you want in a horror movie. Like just because a horror movie doesn't mean it has to have bad writing. If you give us good three dimensional characters that do logical things, we're gonna really care when bad things happen to them. We're mm-hmm. not gonna want them to get murdered by Jason or a grudge or you know a, a monster or anything like that. We, you know, we're we're gonna root for them, even if they're bad people. Like they can still be developed characters, and we still want to see what happens to them. And that's what this show has in spades. Good writing. The show also gives Easter eggs to murderinos out there that like murder mm-hmm. cases and yeah. like to follow stuff like that. Yeah, it's all over it. Yeah, there's real cases in the news stories that pop up on the TV. There's a lot going on in this show. And it's a shame it's three years old and I get any more. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen more. But as it is, these six episodes are a true horror masterclass. If you consider yourself a fan of ghost stories... And a fan of these grudge movies, I can't recommend it higher enough. Yeah. I'm going to go from the only time I'll go from a one to a 10. It's on uh, Netflix. So if you want to see it, it's available. Definitely must see. I know it's a little scene, so I don't want to give a, a lot more of the plot away because it really does deserve to be mentioned. I just wanted to point out one scene to let you know what you're kind of dealing with in the show. And I also want to talk about sexual assault early on, because if you are not down for that, the show does feature I mean, a, a sexual, it's not graphic, but it does feature no. one, but yeah. it is a key plot point. So it's not like you're going to miss it, but it really is fantastic. I, I can't recommend it higher enough. And it's, it's the kind of reboot that, that we deserve. Mm-hmm. We deserve. I just wish we got more of it. It's a gritty reboot. hundred percent. Are you ready for reviews? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just you this week. Oh yeah. In 2020 Roger Ebert was dead. and sadly <laughs> He was not a grudge spirit. So he did not come back, but I guarantee you he wouldn't have reviewed it. <laughs> that had been one he left for somebody else. All right. The Grudge 2020, mm-hmm. 2.2 user review, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 4.4 IMDb score. Juwan Origins, 3.7 user review, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.1 IMDb. So quite a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. I went with a 10-star review for The Grudge, and believe it or not, I did find some. It's, it's hard to believe, but I guess there had been somebody who was like, boy, I like these Grudge movies, but can't they be generic and non-Japanese? <laughs> this title of this review, a really well-made horror film. Okay. What do you got, Ovi? The rating is low, so was my expectation. Mm-hmm. I like horror films, and this is really well-made horror film. Detective Muldoon, Andrea Riseborough, goes to a house out of curiosity, which is infamous for being a place of multiple gruesome murders. There she encounters a bizarre phenomenon. Soon she gets to know that the house is cursed and whoever ever enters the house is destined to die. Rest of the story is Detective Muldoon's journey to find out how she can save herself and her son from the curse of the house. The film begins in Tokyo 2004 where Fiona Landers supposedly gets cursed and brings that curse to Pennsylvania. Much like the original, we get to see what happens to the Landers family, the Spencer family, and the Mathesis family in a non-linear fashion, but it feels less confusing than the original. We follow our detective who never, who very level-headed did as she goes over the case files for the previous victims and we get to see what happened to them. One of the things that stands out from the beginning is the cinematography. It looks good. The Juwan series is really creepy, but it was never easy on the eyes. The atmosphere is creepy in this film as well. The trash bag breathing scene in the first few minutes was superb. The scary scenes are really well done. 
The ghosts are creepy and grotesque. There are lots of blood and gore. There are lots of jump scares. I liked most of them. One actually got me. Did not see that one coming. <laughs> I like things that move. Movie pictures make me happy. That's literally how you yeah, wrote yeah, it. Yeah. The background music is fitting. The acting is good. <laughs> Some well-known faces are there. This review doesn't end with like, I can't wait to start third grade. I don't know what the fuck I want to do. Okay. John Cho, Lynn Shay, <laughs> Damian Bersher were great in their roles. There are lots of hate in the review section for this one. And most of the hate for changing the storyline. I like this one because of the changing in the storyline. The leading characters are all likable. Andrea Riceboro and Detective Muldoon did an excellent job. It is very rare to have likable characters in a horror film. I like the chemistry between mother and son. The film had a kind of it vibe going on. It sort of feels like a marriage what? between it and the grudge. No. Which is a good thing. It's not a thing. The scary scenes were on watch? par with the Conjuring series. No. I love the ending. There are so many things like about the Grudge 2020 recommend for no, any not. fans of horror Stop genre. lying to people. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, that, that was crazy. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun review. That was mm. a fun review. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least... Like that guy enjoyed his time in the theater. That's that's what I'll say there. <laughs> and then here's a one star review for Juan Origins. Wait on me. Don't waste your time with this series because it's a feminist propaganda. Oh my god! Art. All men are weak or crazy and violent, and all women are victims of violence. And there is not a single scene of the famous Juan female ghost killing people because it doesn't go well with the fem feminist oh, propaganda, prequel. which could not, rate less than one. It's not even an in-universe prequel, you dumbass. Here we go. <laughs> I, I figured you'd like the yeah. feminist propaganda. That's right. Juwan, they went woke and they went broke. That's what That's, that's what happened. It's one of those woke guys. Uh, woke yeah. bros. Yeah, I always hate that when I'm, I'm doing YouTube research and I'm watching a video about something and somebody's talking. He's like, and then the social justice warriors. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Now I got to toss out all this research. It is one of those things. At least it lets me know early on, like, oh, good. I don't need to pay attention to the rest of this conversation when somebody says something like that. And with that, we have completed the grudge. We, um, thank God. Yeah. I watched more of the movies than you did because I, I wanted to. Because you're crazy. Well, I want, I like the, the original sequel. I, I do. Um, and I, and I was curious about some of the Japanese sequels. I didn't make my way all the way through them, but I saw one of them at least. And I saw the, the second movie, which is a little bit better than I remembered it. And I saw the, the third movie, which wasn't great, but it was better than The Grudge 2020. So take that as you will. But it's over, and uh, we are not done with J-Har. Mm -mm. We are moving right on to uh, uh, The Ring retrospective. We're going to do uh, Ringu, uh, The Ring, and cover Rings as well. And uh, we are going to finish up, tie these two series together, and uh, cover uh, Sadako versus Kayako, yeah. The Grudge versus The Ring. In a movie that did not get that bad reviews, oddly enough. So that might be kind of fun. I'll look for some fun after having to deal with The Grudge 2020. So. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like The Ring a little bit better. Spoiler. Than I like The Grudge movie. Yeah. So I'll probably have more fun there. Yeah, we, we both like The Ring a lot. That's true. Meredith, what are your socials? I don't have socials. That's right. Fuck social media. Nobody needs it. But seriously, we do. So if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us at grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. Or you can uh, simply look for us at Gritty Reboot at TikTok and on Instagram. And that's probably the quickest and easiest way to get a hold of us. You can like any of our clips, 
uh, share them. And of course, uh, like and subscribe to anywhere that you go. And please give us a rating that's at least positive. Yeah, we're getting some comments. So yeah, we, we're we, loving that. Yeah, we have some positive reviews. People don't hate us. No, yeah. The word's out. I like it. Even if we got a bad review, I would appreciate it. No, not just, me. I just cry openly. Just any kind of feedback is good. If I got a bad review, I would just go in the shower and rock back and forth. Just scrub myself with a brush. No, if you get a bad review and you see one about me, you just let me know. No, I, I'll, I'll delete it. I'll delete it. How am I supposed to see it better? What, what about that guy that called you an evil racist? Who called me an evil racist? It was about Candyman. Oh. It was about Candyman. Oh. Yeah. Well. I'm not trying to be an evil racist. Yeah, because I think you, we were talking about Virginia Madsen, and I was like, that'd be a terrifying place for a white person to go is into the projects by yeah. themselves. Like that, like the movie portrays that accurately, and that was the comment he took that you said yes to that. <laughs> He's like, you're over the projects. They're safe, you evil racist. It's true, though. You are racist. Wow. No, I'm kidding. You're evil. Wow. <laughs> Just wow. All right, guys. And uh, with that, we are out. Peace.